survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 23 and in this edition we'll be stepping into the bizarro world of unreleased games in the series with beta builds, Resident Evil 1.5. My name is Syniac, you can just call me Cy and joining me on the panel this week, rumour has it his birth name is Grant Bittman, but thanks to a deep hole we know him better as Firebutton Steve Valance. Hello. There were plans to have him return triumphantly on a trusty steed, but the zombie horse sadly got cut. It's Steamforge Games show in Matthews. Alright guys. And like Robert Kendo, we were going to kill him off in the first five minutes of the episode, but perhaps we'll keep him around. Dunno, maybe change his name to John. It's Boy Wonder, Adam Russell Reeves. Hello! This episode of the podcast, like all others, was recorded live in our Discord server. Join now to hear the podcast early and unedited, as well as engage with our community, contribute to the show and other upcoming projects, and be informed first of everything going on behind the scenes. You can find a link to the server in the description of the podcast or on our social media accounts. Housekeeping is always the first thing we do, so first things first, special shout out to our Patreon supporters, so uh, our newest supporters. Thank you to Arkhame and thank you to Ploppy54 for keeping the lights on and making sure everything we do uh, is on an upward slant and helping us create better content for everybody. In terms of new content, in fact, uh, new on the YouTube, we have the five additions to RE4 video that Steve lovingly put together. That one was a bit of an albatross, but it is here now and it's wonderful and it's wonderfully timed as well considering uh, the RE4 remake uh, discussion, but we promise it was it was in the plans long before that talk started happening. Um, yeah. <laughs> jeering begins. And we also put out recently a Let's Play of Resident Evil 3, the board game's commercial district scenario, which was fun with the folks here with me today. Uh, yeah, we played for over an hour, uh, give you more of an insight into the changes that that game brings over Resident Evil 2, the board game. So go check that one out as well. And also on our YouTube, we have been uploading Resident Evil The Beginning. We have three episodes into the audio drama based on the 1997 book we talked about on the podcast before. But it's, uh, yeah, it's it's gone down surprisingly well. So if you haven't checked that out yet, do check out those three episodes that are out. And every Sunday at 8 p.m. Uh, British Standard Time, the next episodes pop. There's seven in total. And then after there, you know, who knows what the future holds. But uh, yeah, make sure you're watching that as well. That's all of our news out of the way. So let's move on to the Resident Evil headlines. So, first up, the latest update brings Nikolai to Resident Evil Resistance, and alongside him, the B.O.W. Nemesis. Yeah, he's a fast boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've played a few games. Um, I think I might have even played one game as Nikolai, um, just with our group on the server, just to get a feel for it. Um, The way he's set up makes sense to me. I'm I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, Nemesis is really fun to play around with... um, bringing the rocket launcher and the crazy fast sprint. Uh, Steve, I know you've got some games in against, or maybe even as some Nikolais. How do you feel about him? I, uh, I'm going to just give a quick shout out to the crew, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the real Ark Thompson, the Luigi, the Choji, you know, uh, they all, they were happily my victims in my first few games <laughs> playing as Nikolai. He's insanely overpowered. He's like, in gameplay terms, he's somewhere between Daniel and Spencer in that he's like mostly ranged weapons, but his BOW is essentially a more gimmicky version of the Tyrant. Mm. You know, it's Nemesis, not surprising. Mm. I kind of, I honestly feel like Nikolai 
if you know how to aim, is a great asset. If you can't operate his guns, is garbage. Like his uh, BOW is not going to turn the tide on its own. Right, Demsys so can't that's, turn that's it That's fair. Over. That's fair. Um, yeah, if you know what you're doing with the combination of traps and turrets and stuff like that, um, you can go up against some pretty nasty Nikolai players already. Most games you're going to get right now with him just being recently released are going to be Nikolai games, so played many. Uh, but every now and then you do get a player that's uh, a little bit out of their depth, maybe, because a lot of the other masterminds use spawning of creatures, and that's not really Nikolai's Adam level jam so much. mastermind. <laughs> Adam level <laughs> mastermind, yeah. Have you played it's... any Resistance games recently, Adam? I have I haven't been meaning to, but I have not. No, well, you know, you can always you and everyone else is interested can always help the server. There is a resistance looking for group uh room. So if anyone's out there wants to play some resistance games, you know, pop in the server and there'll be there'll be at least PS4 players around. I'm sure there's some PC players. I'm not so sure about Xbox, but uh, you know, there'll be people. Curious site, like um if you had to just if you had to put like Nikolai into so many words. How would you rate him overall compared to the other masterminds? Um, oh, yeah, I'm not really sure. I'd need more experience playing as him, I think. But I get his gimmick more immediately than I did Spencer's. I, I really struggled to pick up Spencer. Um, but he's similar in that way that he's different and more technically minded like Spencer is, but in a different way. Um, so I would say... Yeah, it's a bit more. It takes a bit more thinking rather than which me and you off uh, and Steve we do basically the same thing where you just find the room and load it up with creatures. You know the kitchen sink approach. Um, yeah. Whereas this one is a bit more. Uh, I don't know, not proactive, but constantly looking at what's going to be where, where you're going to need to be, um, and setting up. I've seen, I've watched games where masterminds set up like three rooms at a time with Nikolai because of the stuff like turrets and traps. Um, so yeah, it's 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 very active. Mm. I find him like if 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 Daniel was Ryu, he's very much the Ken in a way, right? Like like there's similarities but differences. I I would argue that you know if you're planning on picking pick him up, this is a little little tip: go into your character custom deck and maybe modify what kind of monsters you can spawn. You don't need a million versions of the rifle; you just need the turret, mm. the high powered one. Maybe throw in an armored zombie. It seems to work on the server, at least, you know. Yeah, no, that, that, that that's fair. Um, so yeah, expect to see Nikolai games fairly often at the moment, um, and then I guess around this time next month we'll be getting our next update, which it seems like it might be a new map. So that's pretty exciting. Right then. So our next bit of news. This is um, this is going to be a heavy one, I believe. But the mm. PlayStation blog drops a small hint regarding Resident Evil Four remake and some. Rather big law changes. Yeah, so I don't have the thing in front of me. I should have <laughs> probably brought that up. But effectively, um, in an interview with RE3 and Resistance uh, people behind the scenes talking about Nikolai coming to Resistance, obviously, and, and, and how they approach Nemesis and stuff, uh, they basically dropped the bombshell that the any alpha parasite is Umbrella's kind of... A parasite that's based on the idea of Las Plagas, which means that they've encountered it uh, at this point in the in the canon, uh, and the any parasite is sort of inspired by Las Plagas or based on data from Las Plagas, which obviously is an idea to tie the game to RE4, which again pretty much confirms that remake's happening. Um, but unfortunately, also <laughs> it makes some big interesting holes in the canon. Um, I've been very flip-floppy on it. I, Steve, I know you were a bit sort of on the fence with it at the moment. I'm still, like, I want to see where they'll go with it. Like, I can't just write off immediately, but right now, 
that's very peculiar. Mm. Like I don't, I think the nem- the origins of the Nemesis Parasite are kind of grey, aren't they? Like right. Umbrella Europe makes it. We don't know where from. Right. Um, the, I mean, in my mind, I'm going okay, maybe because in Umbrella Chronicles, Wesker steals UMF 03, their mainframe, everything. So if they knew about Las Plagas in some degree, he then has a reason to why he wants to send Ada into Europe in the first place. But then again, surely that would mean that Umbrella probably had samples on hand that he could have just stolen as well in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's the that's the tricky part. I I don't mind the idea. Like it's it's almost like they went, hey, yeah, Umbrella Europe, Las Plagas Europe. It makes sense. Yeah, but then you've got to think about it a bit more deep, like that. You know, I've somebody suggested maybe I think it was Sunny, in fact, suggested that. You know, maybe they're looking for the control plaga rather than the regular plaga, and that's why he sends Ada in. Um, there's only so much data they have, and you know they need control plaga data rather than regular old plaga, maybe. Uh, but it's very possible they haven't just <laughs> really haven't thought about it all that much. It feels um, like they've just placed a minefield in front of themselves, narratively speaking. Yeah, um, and it's not great considering the last couple of games with the remakes have been very. <sighs> mixed received in terms of the canon at the very least um they're kind of light on lore the the remakes are way more light on lore than the uh than the classics it's 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 also the problem is the lore that they do go into it's very similar but also the changes it makes are also drastically different you know just like the big obvious one is oh the rpd uh they moved into that building in the 60s instead of the 80s it's like well that that's it Kind of pointless change, kind of insignificant, <laughs> right? Kind of insignificant, but it doesn't match up. And they do a lot of that, and then something like this drops. And over the weekend, it's been a fair amount of fallout to it. Um, I don't know Which where. Makes, I mean, I, I, in all honesty, for me, it's it's kind of a non-issue. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be what it's gonna be. Like, there's nothing you can do to really stop it. And like we've seen with the uh, the other remakes, I. I feel like they haven't invalidated the originals. They are a separate world, really. And for me, that's fine to do with with right. four in this sense. It might be a bit more interesting. Yeah, I think I, I'm going to In all honesty, I prefer all of the remake. Not prefer them. I like that the remakes are all different because it's not me just playing the same game. Sure. But but nicer, you know. So I'm I'm kind of fine with it. I think I'm going to land somewhere close to where you were, Adam. Um, I think, for me, it's important to understand. You know, obviously, we all know that we all know that Resident Evil certainly sort of seems to come in in batches. If you look at the traditional thing, let's ignore the remakes for a moment. I'll circle back around on those. We have the original series of games. Then you kind of have the games that started with four and kind of played through the next bits, and then now you have seven, which is very much a distinctive engine itself again. Mm-hmm. And those games all feel like they really belong, if I'm entirely truthful, to three very different franchises. There are some commonalities on them. It's almost like Leon S. Kennedy just rocked up inside a completely different franchise, to be honest, <laughs> to my mind, yeah. when yeah. it comes to Resident Evil 4 onwards. And I think that's fine. Like, it, obviously, we, you know, everyone knows that every Resident Evil fan has their own jumping on point for what the game is. And there's obviously lots of debate going on as to what the true Resident Evil game is or anything else. But one thing that feels really disjointed and always has to my mind is the law that actually connects those sort of three groups together especially when you look at seven there's a real gap in there right and i think maybe there's an interesting point where you could see that capcom are actually open to and trying to make a more consistent narrative with the remakes that then will actually carry on all the way through 
and actually register and actually then thus create kind of something which actually has got some consistency to it and people can look at and go, ah, that's cohesive. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes through. Um, and with that mind, I mean, obviously, there are going to be some small changes and some larger ones, but we don't actually know that necessarily until we've actually seen these pre- these play out, you know, wherever the remakes eventually stop. Right. This is this is very true. And in terms of sort of like the disconnected games, it's always been the case that sort of supplemental material or later installments sort of tie them in further. So in the case of four, stuff like five and Dark Side Chronicles, it made it feel like it belonged a little bit more. But yeah, when they take that sudden shift like they did with four and like they've done with seven, it is sort of like, whoa, you know, very left field. Um, and I can understand this is a unique situation in the fact that they are now able to, well, let's make those ties before we make the game. Um, um. My view is uh, Remake 3 has gonna it has law changes. Uh, so Remake 4, of course, is going to have law changes. Really, it comes down to what is Capcom's standpoint on this. Um, the most recent thing they've said about the canon is that all the games happen all at the same time, even if they contradict each other. It's, it's all the same universe, which is where the problem lies in terms of people are very uh, heavily into the story aspect and trying to follow it along. Um, their previous statement had been, you know, all the games take place unless they contradict each other, in which case the originals take precedent. What they really need to do is just put their foot down on something and say, because I will be happy with this. I'll be totally fine with these changes. Go nuts if you just tell us what is what. And by, by that I mean just tell us there's two universes. It really doesn't have to be that complicated. That is the logical way to do this. Uh, you can carry on making these games and having them all separate and you can go crazy with it. And you can also not upset the hardcore fan base that spends years upon years writing documentation about the old story and stuff. Uh, they just need to just step up and, and say something clear. That, so you're, that, talking, that's... you're talking Star Wars canon and Star Wars Legends, basically, but for the Resident Evil universe. Right, something <laughs> like Resident that. Resident Evil yeah. Legends. Resident Evil Legends. Mm. I don't see why there's a problem with it. Do Capcom no, really I agree. care? Mm. That's the thing. Do they... I mean, obviously they care about their games, but are they really bothered about what people right. are like? Well, which one is the correct law? They're just like, well, this is just Resident Evil Three, and this is Resident Evil Two, and mm-hmm. you know, we change yeah. them as we see fit, and yeah. just like George Lucas is like, well, this is how I wanted it to be, so I changed it, kind of thing. So, who knows? Right. See, part exactly. of me still, part of me still takes the remakes as faulty retellings, or you know, or not. You know, unreliable narrations of on some part, be it the originals or the remakes, just to try and make them fit. Because obviously, there's details that, as we've already pointed out, don't quite fit each mold. Mm-hmm. But uh, if they just have different universes, you know, as I've said it before on the podcast, haven't we? We've got like Transformers, and we've got Transformers animated. We've got Star Wars Legends, we've got Star Wars Canon. That's probably the easiest way, but that's going to make people upset. I, I don't know. I mean, everyone obviously has different viewpoints about it. And, and, and like you say, Capcom, probably a certain degree of it, they don't particularly care too much. Um, there are also fans out there that don't care too much. And there are also fans, I've seen some people, and it's sad to see people in the community being like, yeah, I think I'm done. Um, which which is a shame. That's how heavily invested in the story they are over anything else. And that's fair enough. Um, mm. But for me, I'm just sort of like bumbling along. Should have been done by Resident Evil Six, if that's the case. <laughs> cool. 
I mean, I'm, I'm bumbling along, um, sort of in blissful ignorance, until we get to a point where we can't turn back, and and then they, you know, they make <laughs> right. a decision and they go, well, the remakes are all canon. There's no no other way now. But then that's um, still up to you. You could just be like, well, I, that's not the way I see it. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll that's what I'm trying to do. My, my canon, you know. Uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, there's a remake timeline that that that's lit. That is my viewpoint. That's point. how I live my life. So I have the Brad Vickers canon just. <laughs> <laughs> in my head nobody else it doesn't matter oh um right so our last piece of news and this actually probably has pertinence to how much capcom really does care about the franchise in my mm. opinion capcom have updated their current resident evil series sales figures yeah so capcom's website they have what they call the platinum titles which is titles that have sold uh, over a million units and they're all listed in order. Monster Hunter World, still very much the best-selling Capcom game of all time. Um, but the new sales figures have come in, and we've seen some interesting shifts. So um, just doing the top uh, five, let's say. So the top five Capcom best-selling games. Uh, five is the Resident Evil 2 remake. Not overly surprising, 6.6 .6 million Um what is quite interesting is that 4 is uh, now Resident Evil 7, which is 7.5, which ties it with the PS3 and Xbox 360 versions of Resident Evil 6. Not the HD ports, but it has already caught up to RE6, and despite what you think about that game's quality, it sold pretty damn well. Um, and then point one of a million higher is Resident Evil 5 at 7.6, the original release on PS3 and Xbox 360. So that's really interesting, and obviously Monster Hunter on top. Um... By the time we get the next sales figures through, we could really see some shifts in terms of what is the best-selling Resident Evil games. But at the time of speaking, RE5 still holding out as the best-selling, and then RE6, and now RE7, and then Remake 2. So that's pretty cool. Mm. As if you wanted any more reasoning as to why these remakes and changes are happening, you look at the top-selling Resident Evils for them, and they're... Right. Obviously not following exactly what those games are like, but they are pushing more towards the action-y right. kind of... The over-the-shoulder. Seven, seven obviously isn't action-y, but yeah, that's you know, the, the remakes one. are a bit more action-y, and um, yep. it feels like they're, they've, they've kind of latched onto their current winning thing. I don't see it stopping until we get another debacle even though six was one of their best sellers you know yeah. like, i think they know it wasn't yeah absolutely i mean for the for the series as a whole as well as it sold even upon release um you know it, it seven was the next major title which is hugely different so they do listen to the actual reaction from people not just scores and sales figures um Resident Evil 7, though, I mean, that's really interesting to see how high that could potentially go. And, you know, very hopeful that that sort of, personally speaking, obviously everyone has their own different views on it, but personally speaking, hopefully that informs more of the future. Uh, you know, that means that with it rising up, perhaps we'll be seeing more of the first-person games. We can only assume that Resident Evil 8 is in first-person. That's what the rumours say, but, you know, we can't say with any concrete fact. Uh, but I, I, that seems reasonably likely, considering that it's still selling pretty well. I would hope so. I feel that maybe questions were raised with how well the remakes did. They might sure. have yeah, been yeah. like, well, wait a minute. This this third person over the shoulder engine is, is being very well received. Um, but I would hope first person for eight as well. 
Yeah, it's well to see. The other one is we'll see how well Remake 2 does because it's only a million behind uh, RE7 and there's a, like a two year difference in release there. So who knows? Well, uh, that ought to tie up the news. So let's move on to what is going to be in a very exciting episode with the main subject at hand, which is Resident Evil 1.5. And now, reading the file Male Nurse's Diary from Resident Evil Outbreak, Geo1776, who you can find on Twitter at KN Crespan. We should have disposed of that nasty crap much earlier. It got Robert's body as well, even though I made sure to seal up the body in an airtight bag. The ammo and the spare gun we should keep here for security ran out. Hell, bullets didn't even dent it. What in the hell am I gonna do now? bite wound from that thing just won't clot! I've lost so much blood that I feel nauseous and dizzy. Wherever I go or hide, that damn thing is always on my heels! It just moves so incredibly fast! Come to think of it, in the beginning it was a lot slower. It's a predator, and I think the smell of blood is exciting it! I'm... Adana. For I'll be the next. Okay, so this marks the beginning of a brand new series of episodes. Um, with video games, um, you often get examples of games that were cut at some point in development, and Resident Evil has several of these. What it has that I find surprising um, compared to perhaps other franchises, it has a few that have got quite far, or at least some amount of, of it has been shown to the public, so it kind of holds in the memory, uh, especially the memory of the internet. Um, and the place to start with that is not just the earliest game, but also perhaps the most prevalent of all of these, I think the one that sticks out to everyone, which is Resident Evil 1. 1.5. So I guess the history lesson, um, because as we are inclusive to all levels of Resident Evil uh, fans, some people out there might not know what we're talking about when we talk about Resident Evil 1.5. So uh, immediately following the release of the original game, work began on a sequel in the following summer of 96 uh, with a new director, Hideki Kamiya, uh, on Resident Evil 2. Um, this game was in production for around nine months or so. It was cancelled in February 97, even though the game was due to release about three months later in May, and the entire team went back to the drawing board. Um, and big changes happened, blah, 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 blah. Next September in 98, you get Resident Evil 2. It comes out, and everyone, you know, is fully aware that it's been delayed so long, but what they see isn't necessarily what they had been shown previously, um, especially when we're looking at stuff like the internet, when people are starting to talk about magazines and stuff that they've seen before. Uh, and this previous version of Resident Evil 2 that got to about 70% completion before it was canned, uh, thereby got the title Resident Evil 1.5. Um, so let's, I guess, start with everyone's, in, like, earliest memories of 1.5. Um, what, what Do you remember the first time you saw it and counted it? Um, Sherwin, you're, like, an OG fan. You played the original game. Did you ever see any, like... 1.5 stuff in magazines or, or video footage before re2 yeah a thousand years ago when i was young um like we were all super super excited for our uh, for re2 uh, everyone was insanely excited i think everybody who owned a playstation had played resident evil 1 and could or resident evil as it was then and couldn't wait to see resident evil 2 
And then we started seeing kind of various bits of footage because you're right. This is a really a time before the internet was really a thing. Mm-hmm. He says, showing his age, and it was something where we kind of magazines and demo discs and stuff, and like you know, random kind of oh, this is this is like new information from Japan or something or other was really kind of the thing that kind of started filtering through. And um, I think I was kind of lucky. I actually knew a couple of people who worked in the uh, in the magazine industry. Like if you can hunt it down, the very first episode of the uh, of the UK Dreamcast magazine, I'm actually in it. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, talking to them about random WWF games, uh, the type <laughs> of stuff. But um, so I kind of got to actually see some trailers and things, uh, or some more like um, some actual uh, like footage. Yeah, the same sort of blurry stuff that you would right, see kind yeah, of yeah. or whatever um, ahead of time, and was insanely excited about it. Like it was literally something where we were all just getting so hyped about this thing. And I think that's part of what the charm is. And I, I won't necessarily go into this one too much um, because obviously you guys want to talk about your own recollections and we can kind of sum up with it all. But I think it's it's more so much like it's that amazing thing that almost was but never. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's this amazing Easter egg that kind of disappeared. It's almost like a fable, right? Right. And I think, I think that's the that was the charm of it because what we saw looked amazing. And we wouldn't properly realize until probably sometime around about Code Veronica in terms of how the enemies moved around and in terms of kind of the uh, what felt like the sort of visceral nature of it. Right. And I, feel like, and I feel like that as a result when Resident Evil 2 landed, no one was disappointed with Resident Evil 2, but it was such a different beast that it kind of cemented this mythic status for it. And I think that's what was so cool about it. Especially in the early days of the internet as well, when, um, you know, there were forums and Resident Evil, it was, mm. you don't have it so much now, and I think we talked about this before, but like fan sites for everything, people would make websites about the thing that they loved. And there were so many Resident Evil fan sites. And, uh, you know, I used to frequent them way back in the day. And there would just be collections of all this uh, stuff with everyone discussing what exactly this game was, because it was, you know, information was harder to come by then and, and it was slower to spread. Um, but with the advent of the internet, um, everyone sort of came together and pulled the sort of resources of what they had heard about it and whatever. And even to the point where there was like, there was folklore, you know, people said stuff about the game that turns out it wasn't true. You know, my uncle played it, blah, 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 and all that, you know. Um, Adam, what was your earliest memories of 1.5? Do you remember um, the first time you sort of came across the existence of this fabled game? Yeah, I mean, I didn't come across it as obviously as 1.5. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as Sherwin when where I was kind of old enough to um, kind of be at the perfect age to be kind of into to, to mm. gaming at this point. And um, a lot of games mags, well, Capcom really wanted to kind of like, I think, get on top of the hype of Resident Evil 1. So they showed a lot of this before it was really ready you know like if you go back to games magazines of the time there will there is screenshots of like elza and stuff saying right. like, resident evil 2 um so that's kind of how i was exposed to resident evil 2 at the time obviously um i remember getting resident evil 2 and being like oh this like it's not like i saw pictures of it uh, <laughs> hmm. but that was really all i knew of it i wasn't super aware of like my my resident evil fandom at that point was just really liking the games and that that was pretty much it so i wasn't super aware until later on the 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 mythicality of of resident evil 1.5 right interesting like how 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 much how of deep thing it, it was yeah yeah i remember 
kind of really reading up on it prior to the build getting out into the public. So I just had access to like the man spider like shots and stuff. All of the 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 kind of stuff before people got their hands on it <clears throat> and being pretty fascinated by it then. Steve, what was your earliest memories of the Resident Evil 2 beta, as it's also known? So my earliest memories are, I, I'm thinking it was a strategy guide. Like um, there was a PlayStation compilation called like the Black Book or something. And it was, uh, it only had Resident Evil 1 on it. And it was teasing RE2 and it's like prologue chapter, so to speak. And it was just a single screenshot saying, look at Resident Evil 2 coming out in 1997. And it's an <laughs> image of Elsa in the, I want to say the foyer with the PlayStation yeah. 5 and zombies. Didn't really twig that this wasn't the RE2 I remember until I'd already gotten RE2, you know, the real game, into my hands and then look back at this guide for, like, laughs because it's got some hilarious descriptions on how to beat monsters with knives. But that's that's a different, <laughs> thing, a different story. Uh, and then when I realized that that is not Claire Redfield, that's a blonde lady in a red jumpsuit, that's when I started digging a little deeper. And it wasn't until, like, I want to say early days of the internet kind of stuff, and I found, I want to say, Bioflames. I think right. it's Bioflames. Yeah. yeah, they were a big site for it. They yeah, dropped, and, yeah, big big lump of pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's pretty much where I uh, started to look into 1.5 as a whole proper. I mean, there's been Facebook pages since, like, the uh, the Proto Road Network kind of built on uh, Resident Evil 1.5 page. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where a lot of my stuff came from. Right. But, yeah, I've always been interested, just never really dipped my toe in excessively until the more recent news I'm sure we're going to touch on. Right. Um, for me, it was sort of similar in the sense that I, my Resident Evil fandom started to grow at a point where I, yeah, I would start looking at these fan sites and I was aware of the first few games and Resident Evil 2 is my entry point. Uh, and it was my favourite then, obviously, very much so now. Um, so to see this sort of like ghost of the game, this weird version of it, was just interesting and was unlike anything I'd ever heard of. Um, I'd never heard of a game... I don't know, it's just, I guess I'd never thought about, oh, something got so far along and being cancelled before, and it doesn't really happen to the extent that this game was, you know, 78%, they say, um, and then and then trashed unceremoniously. Um, it was just such a strange anomaly. Um, and there was... It was familiar, but there's so many different differences, and we'll, we'll break it down uh, piece by piece. Uh, Steve, as you mentioned there, so the sort of interest in this game and the mystery uh, went on for years and years and years. Um, and there was, you know, again, rumours and talk that there was a playable version that existed out there. Um, and the story is out there for you to read. Someone made a book about the level of internet drama that Resident Evil 1.5 produced. It's insane. Uh, people trying to buy a playable copy that someone claimed they have, and it's it's mental, and we don't necessarily need to get into all of that. Uh, but in 2013, after all these years, uh, a playable version leaked onto the internet, which kind of blew it open a bit more, because everyone could capture their own footage and get a real look around. And since 2013, a delightful group of modders have been working to make it 
more playable, closer to perhaps the vision it was meant to be, filling in gaps where they have to. Um, they've been making backgrounds out of screenshots and stuff like that. It's it's crazy the amount of work that's gone into it over the years. Um, so shout out to Martin Biohazard and all, the, all those guys that are working on that. The Magic Zombie Door version. Um, it gets updates every now and then. The most recent one was in December. So uh, Steve and I have played through some of it quite recently as well. So we'll be able to talk about you know, actually playing uh, 1.5, as up-to-date as the fans have made it, at least. Uh, But let's first talk about the way the game looks, I guess. Um, Sherwin, you're you're the super fan. What Hmm. strikes you um, in terms of the differences between the looks of this and and RE2? Do you know, it's it's really interesting, is it? The only way I've got... The best way I've got to describe it is RE1.5 looks like a Romero movie. It looks like it's. It looks like it's a contemporary building. It, it it doesn't it doesn't require any sort of um any leaps of faith as to why are these guys walking around Mansion One Point you know like Mansion One Point Five? Why are these guys, uh you know why we have Claire and Leon and where where how is it that the police station doesn't seem to have a lot of things that you would expect like cells for example and, and bits and pieces like you know two cell rooms for two cells for all of Raccoon City for example doesn't seem feasible that sort of stuff. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to the game just feels really gritty, and it's some of it. Yeah, obviously, is going to translate from the fact that all the footage is obviously ages old, and as a result, isn't the best quality. But the actual game, in terms of the sheer sort of clinical cold surfaces everywhere, if you actually look at the section where the cells are, just in terms of kind of you know how um, foreboding and sort of grimy that area is in the actual thing with the arms coming out of the windows as you mm. walk down the corridors, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, when you're actually in the rooms and everything. And obviously, we'll, we'll get onto the soundtrack and stuff. That doesn't hurt whatsoever for building that atmosphere. But the whole the whole thing just feels really, really um, contemporary, but also really edgy is the best way I've got to describe it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's something where you can very easily imagine yourself in that situation. It's not it's, – it's in no way, shape, or form is it abstract. It just doesn't feel like the same way – as Resident Evil 2 feels, where it's a bit kind of, okay, so I'm walking around this area here. I can't envision this is how this place actually looks, whereas this game really does feel like you've literally just dropped in a place that you could easily imagine. That's what a place, you know, that's what a police station looks like. And then even, I think actually, if anything, like the remake of RE2 is more a nod mm. towards towards remo- uh, 1.5 in a lot of ways, in a lot of places, than it is Resident Evil 2. If you actually look at it and sort of, you know, the overall feel of what it feels like. I think it was very ahead of its time in terms of what it is. And I think as someone just said it in the chat, I absolutely agree. The direction the series would have taken after this would have been dramatically different. Right. Yeah. I've got no other way of saying it. It's, it just feels like it's got a whole different energy and spirit to it. Um, if anything, I think this would have been... Do you know the best way of describing it? It feels a lot more like a Silent Hill survival <laughs> horror game than it does a Resident Evil survival horror game. And I think that's the best way I can describe it. It's just cold, foreboding. It just wants to eat you up alive, and you feel like you're surviving it. Um, it just feels really, really raw. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because you, like you said, the the RPD and the finished RE2 is a little bit illogical, but not so much that it takes you out of the game. And in fact, the sort of strangeness to it adds to its own atmosphere. But 1.5 doesn't necessarily have that too much. It relies more on the fact that this is a more recognisable kind of location. 
um, which plays more into a kind of last stand desperation sort of feel more than anything, which is accurate because uh, this version of Resident Evil 2 and you talk about the future of the series, I don't think Capcom would have let Resident Evil die on two games. But the intention mm. from Shinji Mikami at the time was that this would close it. He didn't want to make a sequel anyway. He, he doesn't mm. he doesn't make sequels. That's not really his thing. Um, so this was intended to be the end, you know, the follow-up of all, the fallout of all the events of Resident Evil 1. It was going to end with this, and you get that impression from the atmosphere. Um, Steve, how do you feel about the, the overall look of 1.5? The, the aesthetic, so to speak? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I like, like Sherwin said, Carpenter movie, like Assault on Precinct 13 or something. Hmm. Like, it feels very... I mean, the goal was to make it look like a realistic police station. Unfortunately, I would argue this... Hurts it like the um, the annihilation that's gone through the actual like RPD in RE2 proper or the the the, fi- the finished RE2 uh, has a lot more charm for me. Like this is this is not a bash on the people who have worked very hard to resurrect this this project, right? Mm-hmm. But um, well, I would argue that the actual police station of 1.5 in its realism kind of sucks some of the charm away, if that makes any sense. Right, right. Uh, Overall, though, I, I like it as an actual location, or unfortunately, the, the build I've played, the nature of the product means it's kind of vacant most of the time, which is a shame. I, I would have liked to have seen what the, the finished enemy layout and item layout may have done to add the character, like the, the files, the lore, that kind of stuff as well. But um, yeah, a- aesthetically, it's fine. It feels like, I don't know, because the build I played, I'm not sure if I could say what's like fan-made and what's definitely from that disc how much of that would you say is from the disc side from what you know so like- apparently the uh the magic zombie door build that's playable um downloadable rom and stuff is is not the 70 or 80 percent completion it's the, it's a 60 percent complete game that they've built upon so i guess right. bear that in mind it yeah uh, <laughs> Oh, that, that, that's fair. I just it's because a lot of the places remind me of RE one in a way, particularly yeah. like the lab yeah. corridors in RE one, kind of blank slate to them. Um, yeah, like I said, it's not terrible by any means. It's just uh, I'm I kind of appreciate more what's come after, which is strange because that's kind of the paradox. Like mm-hmm. beforehand, uh, one point five was something I always wanted to try. Now I'm glad I have. But I don't know if I'm going to go back to it. I'm sure we're going to go over this properly later. Interesting. Do you, know, I, do you know if I can quickly jump in there, and this will be a very unpopular opinion, I suspect. Um, I almost wish there wasn't a playable version of 1.5. I think the charm and the mm-hmm. majesty of what that is, and and again, much like much like our friend uh, Facebook Steve here, much like my friend Steve here. I'm. I simply put, I, this is in no way, shape, or form like anything um, saying that the people who are currently working on this putting a lot of hard work into making this mod. Um, you know, no slight on them whatsoever. And absolutely, I, I 100% get why you would do it. But from my own personal perspective, I almost feel like a slight bit of the charm is absent when you know that you can play it. And it's not even necessarily that we have a version that we can play. It's more so much the bit where you're building on it. I think it demystifies the whole thing quite right. a lot. Right. Yeah, and it, behind the curtain. You've got it. And it's almost like if you could just imagine if you had like the 60% version or whatever and you could wander around and you can sort of see these areas for what they were in a proto sort of state, that's really cool and that's amazing. The bit where you suddenly go, oh, now we can actually walk around and they're building things in based on what they think it would look like. Mm-hmm. At that point, it kind of starts to be like, yeah, but this isn't the same vision. Right. This is 
perception of other people and they're trying to they're trying to guess second guess how this would look or whatever else and i'm just not really sure that for me i like this mythical thing where everyone knows it existed and we're all hunting out footage of it wherever we can find it it's this idea of, oh what could be what could be and it's this amazing mythical thing that's just out of reach that feels much more exciting to me than this thing that's kind of been built on and doesn't really, you know, very awkwardly fits into the whole everything else. No, that I get that completely. Um, for what it's worth, there is a vanilla version of this ROM that they haven't done anything with. Um, so you can play that one and play the sort of very unfinished version. But yeah, it's 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 a struggle to get around because it's so unfinished. You know, you're climbing up boxes that aren't there and walking through walls and that kind of stuff. Um, so, no, but I get your point totally. The, the allure, the mystery is sometimes better than not knowing. I mean, if I wanted to use a Resident Evil analogy, there are plenty of people out there that want to see Hunk as a protagonist for a game. And for me, no, I'd rather him just be a shadowy background figure. Blanks, you, you know, you don't need to give him all the backstory and, and all that. Mm. Sometimes not knowing uh, is the fun. Adam, how do you feel about the overall look and design of 1.5? Um, straight off the bat, I will, I'm going to 100% agree with Sherwin on my thoughts of, of 1.5, but the look is very interesting because it's very much at odds with Resident Evil 2. Mm. I feel like outside of the character models, I feel like the character models would look at home in Resident Evil 2. Right. But, I mean, it, it, not only... It's an entire palette swap. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil 2 is very brown and orange and has those kinds of hues to it more warm hues whereas this is very blue green cold hues all the way through very utilitarian kind of corridors and such and you know without any real set dressing as it were or very minimal um it's it's like cat it's like resident evil without the flair one of the things I love about Resident Evil is the attention to detail and mm -hmm. there's posters and, and, you know, every room feels like it just has a wealth of, um, well, let's change that, not a wealth. It, every room in Resident Evil to me almost tells a story. Yeah. You see, you know, bloodstains or like a bookshelf, whatever, knocked over and everything on the floor and everything tells a story as, you know, with this, not only is it not really Capcom's work, it kind of is, but at the same time, you know, it's a lot of fan stuff as well. It's it doesn't tell any stories to me as I as I see it going. I don't see any struggles or it's just like a big empty area, which mm. is fine. You know, I understand what it is. It's not a finished game, and I wouldn't ever even call this a game fan slash developer tech demo almost right um but yeah it's to me it, i don't know i don't get i don't get a lot out of seeing it going because of my experience with you know the the original trilogy and their just wealth of detail mm -hmm. yeah i um i'd say i land pretty firmly in the middle to be honest i i think the backgrounds are amazing to look at in the sense that you know it's that thing that we've talked about all these years. Um, and it's amazing. And it blew me away to actually be... Because I played the, the original League, the, the kind of unplayable sort of vanilla-ish one now. Um, and it's struggled to get around. So actually getting to move from room to room um, in the most recent version 
uh, was amazing. Like to actually walk around this place that I've thought about so much and seen so much about online. And it was amazing to be playing a quote unquote new fixed camera angle game in the series. Uh, you know, nostalgia and everything aside. But yeah, the backgrounds, they're very much pale in comparison to what they did with RE2, especially the stuff that's kind of similar. Uh, you can see the sheer level of detail difference, as, as you guys have mentioned, um, all the environmental sto storytelling and the, the sheer attention to detail is it's something else. And this is probably something that's going to come up several times in general, but 1.5 is such an accurate name because it really does feel like a midpoint between the two games. Um, the models are pretty good. They're not quite as good as RE2, but, you know, they're, they're not really far off either. The fact that they can have wounds appear over time was a really cool touch, and that's nice. But at the same time, there is a lack of overall, yeah, detail. There's less going on on the walls and the floor. RE2 is just full of stuff, whereas, uh, yeah, not so much in this, this blue RPD. Um, so let's stay with aesthetic. And let's talk about audio. And I know everyone is excited for us in the in the podcast chat to talk about the soundtrack to this game. So once again, I'm going to kick the ball to show and to start this one off. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I wish every soundtrack sounded this way. No, um, <laughs> it, it's to be fair, um, and this really goes back to what it is. I mean, obviously they reuse some of the tracks. Um, Okay, he, he adjusts himself in his chair because this is going to be a long one, guys. I'm going to bore Go you. Go for now. it. <laughs> um, so, obviously, they used the, the biggest thing, the biggest simple change they had is the presence of the marshalling yard audio, and that was the police station theme almost in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And it just sounds morbid, it sounds cold, it sounds clinical, and just so, so eerie, but also so foreboding. Like, there's this, this sense that you really have this incredible disconnect to, like, yeah, you're walking around this police station and it just feels like there's just something it's almost like I think it's all even like you sort of have this distorted sound that could almost be playing over the tannoy kind of thing or whatever mm. else. Like there's, there's just this kind of eerie kind of could be the wind, could be something howling in the distance, could be something just in your imagination, whatever else. It just feels really, really kind of like you are just thoroughly immersed in this situation and kind of just feeling really unease, uh, uh, uneasy all the time. And I think that's the biggest thing, simple change you have in it. But at the same time, obviously the problem is what that is. But at the same time, there's a lot of tracks that when they did reuse them that you do hear, like especially some of the boss fight stuff or some of the, um, or some of the other bits. I mean, there's a couple of things I noticed listening to it recently. One is there's much more weight to it. I don't mean that in the sense that um, it's heavier, like you know, heavy guitar or anything. I mean, it just sounds deeper. Mm. It sounds like there's much more of a tie between some of these sound, some of these, um, some of these tracks than the sort of heavy violin or orchestral pieces you would have had in RE1. Even on tracks that are actually re reused for RE2, they've sort of made them feel lighter. Like they actually feel heavier. They feel like there's more depth to them. They just feel like there's a lower kind of level they go. Uh, which is really interesting because it kind of ties you back to some of like the first floor and the uh, second floor stuff in RE2 where you have that sort of very um, mournful kind of um, piece, you know, piece of music that kind of just sort of drag out and kind of sort of give you this sort of creeping dread or this suspense. Mm. Same sort of thing going on here. 
And then that actually then, when you actually start listening to some of the other tracks and the boss fights and things, you start to hear refrains creep back in. The boss fight music actually makes a lot more sense in RE 1.5 and it does in 2. You don't have that operatic kind of thing hammering at you uh, whenever you see kind of, you know, Birkin rocks up. You actually have like this, it sort of returns to that eerie refrain over and over. Um, and it just has that sort of con continuity, I think, that you don't necessarily have um in in the actual finished re2 there's kind of more where it actually returns and kind of plays through overall i think that the crucial words i can add to it is again it adds to the it adds to how mournful it adds to how eerie and thoroughly disturbing the game sort of potentially has and it's interesting because obviously there's lots of there's lots of elements in it where you don't have like the re2 soundtrack as is is a masterpiece no question yes, about yeah. otherwise but you don't, and you don't have those sort of silent tracks like the second floor, where it just sounds really, really kind of. Again, you've got creaking, you've kind of got like you know the the hint of sound at the edge of your sort of you know edge of your audio, all that sort of stuff. Mm. You don't have anything like that in the RE one point five engine, and it might yeah. well be, yeah, because they weren't all the way through the game; they hadn't actually put that stuff in. It might well be that they had all that stuff in the can; they just never applied it to the game before it got cancelled. We don't know. It's the same with what you guys were talking about with the actual. Um, with like the lack of posters and the storytelling going on like they may have just built like yeah this is how the corridor is going to look this is our working version we'll add all the detail stuff in it you know in the last yeah, pass it's possible yeah so there's lots of stuff like that where you don't know necessarily what they would have added in how that could have worked out but overall and i think i've spoken at you enough now uh, the audio <laughs> track it, it's it's a masterpiece it's um i'm so glad that a lot of it got reused in re2 the stuff that didn't i mean there's there you know it's you know there's there's a reason why there's a couple of yeah. funky soundtrack bits the save music in particular um sounds really odd um and yeah. i'm not about when you actually have the gorilla boss fight music <laughs> that sort of um that sort of choppy changing kind of mm. string instrumentation but mm -hmm. the rest of it feels good yeah i uh there's some definite points to pick up on the like i think looking up the soundtrack again a lot of people sort of refer to the the light motif if you like as the birkin theme sort of like those whatever it is six notes and they're they're fairly prevalent in re2 but at the same time um if someone hummed you hummed you that tune you could be forgiven for being like i don't know what that is unless you're like a super fan uh whereas yeah in 1.5 it shows up a lot um and in terms of stuff like the marshalling yard what i find so funny about that is that particular piece that was intended for basically the beginning of the game the rpd is so so overbearingly dark that when the oh. final RE2 came, they moved it right, you know, straight before the lab, right? When everything's getting really intense and you're getting to the, the source and the heart of this evil. Um, it wouldn't have suited the, the RPD that they went with in RE2. It does suit the one in 1.5, arguably, but it is like, where do you go from there, you know? Um, and the other one that I, I just wanted to shout out myself is Wreckage of the Mad Experiment, which is another track that got completely reused. Basically, I think it's unchanged from 1.5 into RE2 as well. And then after that, it basically gets co-opted for the Umbrella Chronicles theme, which is really funny to think this this song has obviously been kicking around quite a while if it was for the RE2 beta and it survived this long. Um, Adam, how do you feel about the soundtrack? Do you have much experience with the OST for 1.5? I'd be interested to know if much of this was also maybe because maybe the the soundtrack is the most finished thing of the whole it's only uh, possible experience 
Um, and it, it interests me to wonder maybe if any of it was unused from the original Resident Evil. Because I feel like a lot of the unused tracks, they give me a lot of Resident Evil 1 vibes. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure if everyone feels that way. Maybe it's just me. But yeah, it's definitely, for me, the standout. Although um, I'm, I don't have a great ear for soundtracks, I'll be honest. I, I, I don't. Uh, I get caught up in playing games and the soundtrack kind of goes away for me. Um, but I think that's the most accomplished part of the, the whole experience for me um, is is the soundtrack being where it is. I think it's really good. Um, it obviously uh, was more, like I say, more of a finished product and it shows. Um, right. There's no real big clangers in there, in my opinion. Um so yeah, I, I think it's enjoyable and it's like it's got more of a place in Resident Evil history maybe than than the the actual gameplay. Maybe the, 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 that's, you know, the Yeah, that's that's probably a fair point. Is, yeah, it's weird. It's weird to say, like I don't know if I'll I'm just gonna it's the soundtrack. I was gonna throw in a point but it I'll save it for later. I mean but no <laughs> but you're, yeah, I, you're you're right, of everything that sort of survived uh, from 1.5 to 2, you know, most of the soundtrack comes across in some form, even if it's been toyed with. So I guess that says a lot about its longevity and, and its and its strength. Just try playing it without... Play, try play any Resident Evil game without the sound, and it's... The right. sound is it's, such a big, important part of this series. Yeah, arguably and, uh, true. But don't yeah. say that to, like, 12-year-old me that was playing RE2 with the sound off because they were terrified. Uh, <laughs> that's the only way I was able to beat Super Mario too. I couldn't beat the last boss. And the set, the the last boss music is pretty frantic in that game. Yeah, but I switched it off, and the, the literally the first go I did after switching it off, I beat him, and I was like, "Yeah, no <laughs> me ever again." But that's not true. <laughs> Amazing. To be, fair, to be fair, that is, you know, going back to oldster kind of roots now, but like. That was the era where video games had to step up their soundtracks because we, mm. we had literally come out of the 16-bit era. We'd just come out of stuff like Super Mario and that sort of stuff where you were kind of, you know, Super Mario uh, World or whatever it was. And you look at games which just don't feel like they're open world. They don't feel like they're... They literally are platformers or they're very tightly controlled. Resident Evil games were one of some of the first games that actually made you feel like, well, I'm actually in a world. I'm mm. wandering around the universe here. There's much right. more to this. There's depth. There's flavor. There's character. And you feel like, you know, and and the graphics weren't quite there enough. It's still like you were controlling people who were made up of a selection of, like, cardboard boxes glued together. <laughs> so we didn't actually have, like, you know, the, the, the sort of idea is there. The visuals aren't quite pushing us up to the level where we can properly immerse ourselves. But that's okay, because now we had, like, CDs, and therefore we had much, much better soundtrack capabilities. So it really fell on composers to kind of really put all of that stuff in and kind of give us that world. If you look at stuff like Tomb Raider or Final Fantasy, mm. Resident Evil, Sound, uh, Silent Hill, all of those different things, the soundtracks for those are amazing. And that's because there was so much focus and pressure on them to actually kind of create this incredible atmosphere that the graphics couldn't quite get there to do, yeah. but was trying to suggest, and that's really where that kind of built in. I think um, you're absolutely... Oh, sorry, showing on. I was just going to say, I mean, and if anything, the really big takeaway I can obviously point to 1.5 very specifically, if you will think about the first experience you had of 1.5, I guarantee the first thing you're going to remember if, from watching the trailer is going to be the soundtrack that's actually playing over the top of the, of the visuals as much as the actual visuals themselves. Mm. 
as soon as yeah. you kind of hear, like you remember that blue police station, you remember those zombies crawling around the floor in the offices or whatever else. But you also remember like that marshalling yard theme and exactly what Sai said. Perfect. It's so, so, so dark. It's wonderful. And I think that's, that, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, you, you've nailed it, I think, there, Shell. And the, the, the limitations of the, of the hardware at the time meant that it was a lot harder to get emotion out of the game graphically and, you know, storyline-wise. And, and the music really definitely stepped up and really told the story. Resident Evil is probably the first game where I really was lost in a game, you know, when I was first playing mm. it. And I was like, I don't really know what to do or where to go from the outset. And no games have done that for me before. And the music absolutely ratcheted up, like, my suspense. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah, I think really the music is the star here. Uh, Steve, anything to add to this long conversation about music? <laughs> so I'm going to echo what everyone else has said. And pretty much like these stand out. For 1.5 for me is probably the soundtrack. Um, as shown quite rightfully pointed out, the save room theme is kind of the, the strange one of the bunch. Mm. I would argue it's um, almost like a child-friendly version of Birkin's theme. But, <laughs> uh, the, um, when we're talking about audio, I think uh, something I actually really do like, like aside from the music, which I feel like we've, we've talked about a lot, is just the zombies themselves. The kindest... Playing this recent build scared the living daylights with the sound effects they were throwing out. Like, <laughs> they sound way more twisted and malformed than the counterparts in Resi 2. Like, I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but the way they made them sound so much more ghoulish, so much yeah, more no, that's probably horrific. Fair. Yeah, I had a moment when, uh, when I was playing it and you drop into the sewer. It's the first time I encountered the female zombies. That noise made me basically jump. It's such a weird yeah. sound. They're, they're in an office, or I want to say an office. It, it, yeah, right. it looked like an office in the um, the RPD, and they're just filled with like four of those zombies. I noped out of that room because of the sounds they were making. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and then the regular zombies and stuff—they all sound like what, a possessed. Um, you know, obviously the the gun sounds are everything. They sound as punchy and stuff as ever. Um, and the, the OST for what it is, I think is. Pretty strong and consistent. It's like, strangely enough, it feels like a halfway house between Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2, somehow. <laughs> hmm. Funny that. Uh, you know, because there are points where the, the tone dramatically shifts. Just listen to the OST itself. Like, compared to RE2, which I say is mostly consistent, except for the boss themes. Yeah. Um, like, uh, Corridor 3F feels like it could have been the mansion basement's twin brother from RE1. Like, that kind of eerie, haunting, like, sickening feeling to the soundtrack. Um, Martian Yard, obviously, phenomenal track. Kind of agree, it's probably not the best for the police station, but for the 1.5 police station, it kind of works in that 80s horror movie kind of way. Mm. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, overall, the sound design is actually, like, I don't know how much of it is on the, the fan side part, but I have no complaints. The Man Spider sound as well, like, that's mm. just weirdly weirdly gets under your skin um yeah like that stuff is pretty solid where if the aesthetics are rough the, the sounds not so much right Maybe yeah. For the gorillas. yeah 
That, that's my thing, anyway. But besides no, the stuff we've already liked. No, that's <laughs> a great know. point. I mean, we talked about music. We didn't necessarily talk about sound. So I'm glad you brought that up. And The Man Spider, which is definitely going to come up uh, in just a bit as well. And now, reading the file, Sewer Manager's Diary from Resident Evil 2 1998, Mercy Space, who you can find at castingcall.club forward slash m forward slash mercy space. June 28th. It's been a while, but I saw Don today, and we talked after completing our work. He told me he'd been sick in bed until yesterday. It really doesn't come as much as a surprise given how long he's been working here. He was swaying like a horse and kept scratching his body while we were talking. I asked if he was hot, but he just looked at me funny. What's wrong with him anyways? July 7th. Chief Irisman has been visiting the lab quite often lately. I don't know what he's doing over there, but he always looks grim. The expression on his face has been even more unsettling than usual. My guess is that it's because of Dr. Birkin's impossible request. The Chief has my sympathies though. After all he's done for the town, he doesn't deserve this. July 21st. I rarely drink because I'm on the graveyard shift, but I don't suppose I have much to complain about it since this is how I make my living. August 16th. The Chief came in late today, looking grimmer than his usual so. I tried to joke with him to cheer him up, but he wasn't amused. He pulled his gun and threatened to shoot me. I was able to calm him down, but that guy has some serious problems. He knows he can't enter the lab without my help and my medal. Is this what it means for the chief to serve and protect? August 21st. William informed me that the police and media have begun their investigation on Umbrella's affairs. He said that the investigation will be citywide and that there is a possibility they will even search through the sewers. He asked me to suspend all Umbrella sewer facility operations and the investigation has been concluded. The sewer will still be used for passes, but he stressed that I have to be extremely cautious and that I lose my job if anyone finds out about this operation. What the hell is going on anyways? Sticking with you, Steve, obviously you and I have played the most up-to-date version as well. Um, what did you think of the sort of gameplay? Again, for me, obviously, I'm going to keep saying it, it did feel gameplay-wise a bit like a halfway house between one and two. Did you get the same sort of impression? Yeah, I had to look up at it, like modify, because uh, you can change your loadout, can't you, and kind of like mod in weapons. Right, yeah, obviously being that it's a uh, an unfinished fan build, you can hit some buttons and mess around with your inventory and, and that way you'll get to play with the, the full extent of what items and weapons do work. Some weapons crash the game, unfortunately, because they weren't fully coded in, uh, but you, yeah. get a, you get a good look through of what you can mess around with. Do we know if the handgun was intended to not be able to kill zombies but only waylay them? Because that actually kind of seems, in a, in a weird way, a interesting mechanic. I have no like, idea. No, I have no idea. Because the handgun won't stop anything. It has to be something decisive, like a shotgun or a magnum. And mm. um, that I kind of find kind of cool. Like, it almost feels like that's what Remake 2 kind of did. You know, and you could put like 15 rounds in a zombie's head, and if your RNG's not on your side, that sod still might get up. Right. Um, yeah, they, they are pretty. Uh... Pretty good at keep coming back to get you at 1.5. Definitely more, much more bullet spongy. Yeah, and there's more than one type. I mean, they're pretty much fundamentally in RE2. You've got, well, you've got three in RE2, but two of them are more like one but stronger. You've got your male zombie, you've got your naked zombie, and then you've got your female zombie. In this, there's three different types of male zombie. I don't know how many different types of female ones there are. And they have different speeds. And that in itself is kind of cool. Right. Like, I don't know if they do more damage because at that point I was just like, you know, 
huffing first aid sprays like they're going out of fashion. Um, The gorillas, the gorillas are kind of rubbish. Like they're just (laughs) annoying. They don't look visually very interesting. If if this was meant to be this season's liquor or this season's hunter, it definitely goes against the game. Um, The the dogs. I, they they seem like they are just the RE one dog sprite. I mean, I don't know how much difference there was between two and ones. Uh, the the standout though, yeah. the standout is Man Spider. It's that thing that it just looks awesome. <laughs> I uh, so since you've brought us this way, let's generally talk about enemies. In fact, uh, Nick Swain asked, "Is the Human Spider the best POW never to make it into Resident Evil?" <laughs> Um, well, uh, what I will say is they're definitely creepy, um, and I would agree with you, Steve. I do feel like the the giant ape was kind of meant to be maybe not the licker, but sort of like the game's version of the hunter. Uh, yeah, and you know they're kind of cool the way they move. They can hang from the ceiling and stuff is neat, but there's not really a whole lot to them. Uh, whereas the man spiders are like the chimeras on steroids. They appear in the lab. Um, and yeah, they'll they'll mess you up. They're they're pretty weird looking. The only thing I can think that more personally for me creeps me out more is the Spider Man. Funnily enough, um, <laughs> from RE Zero, the thing that kind of was apparently designed to sort of like latch on to the back of one of the players and basically possess them and take control, which is <laughs> yeah, it's pretty messed up. But yeah, the Man Spider stands out as one of the most interesting drops uh, creatures. Adam, how do you feel about the sort of enemy roster in this game? The, I mean, you know, obviously, the, everything looks worse, um, <laughs> <laughs> and and I believe that's from what I could gather is because they were trying to do more, right. more enemies on the screen. Yes, yeah. Um, the apes are horrible. <laughs> I they just to me they're just I don't I don't like them in any way. I I like the fact that they can hang from the ceiling much like a liquor could. Um, but they they they're trash. I don't like them. They look stupid. They they're sound. a mass of angry brown circles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just and they're just so. I mean, I know it's Resident Evil and it's weird to say something's out of place, but they feel so out of place. Mm. Like how many? Like I just don't get it. Yeah, uh, the spiders yeah. are the spiders are cool though. They're they're pretty freaky, and I will definitely echo size sentiments of the Spider Man being way. Way scarier, like a weird <laughs> spider that parasites itself into your body at the back and mm. controls you is messed up. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, it it's it's hard to talk about because we're talking about essentially a beta build, right? Yeah. Um, Birkin looks very odd. His face is very hilarious in this. The Grey Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> And he also um, says he says Sherry, which is he says uh, Sherry. Yeah, he's looking for Sherry. Actually, he says Sherry. <laughs> I'll put you in there. Sherry. He does say Sherry. Yeah, he does say Sherry. <laughs> Sherry, can you defend the, uh, the old school one point five Birkin at all? I can't defend Birkin uh, <laughs> <so> whatsoever. <laughs> Um, and I certainly and I certainly can't defend the gorillas either. Mm, uh, I, I feel like, I, I, unfortunately, the gorillas for me, uh, I, I 100% agree with Adam. Um, they are something where, Jared Resident Evil is a game like I think increasingly as 
the series has gone on, like you start to see more that kind of pushes you. We've talked about this before. It pushes your kind of leap of faith, mm. how much you're willing to kind of invest in this and go, okay, so that's a thing that could happen. And I think that's especially stark if you're an old school fan who loved the originals and that kind of had that whole survival horror element sort of drilled into you. And then you suddenly get yourself to like um, RE4 and there's a really big jump to kind of leap of faith to kind of go, okay, so this kind of doesn't feel like the same thing anymore. Mm. And I think um, I think the gorillas are a really good early example of that. Like, why are there two gorillas running around? Why, why are they here? Oh, because they're mutant gorillas that were being transported in a truck? Okay, uh, no. Yeah, so... It's kind of funky, but um, I think the the real start, and I agree with you, the, the spider would have been awesome, but let's... So a couple of things. Firstly, there are nine different types of zombie in RE2. Uh, there's ten if you include Brad. Just thrown out there, because you mentioned um, how many... Oh, I meant physical types, not asset colors. I mean, that's cool, because yeah. in asset types, there's technically three. There's the standard zombie, the crawling zombie, and the naked zombie. Yeah. Uh, you could tell I have researched this thing for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but absolutely. In terms of, I mean, arguably Brad is just a naked zombie with clothes on, to be fair. That's exactly what he was. But I think the biggest thing for me is that I loved what they were going to do with the zombies. Like, there's all the footage that we've already seen of, like, you know, the bring down the shutter, it severs the zombie in half. Yes, yeah. That's cool. Like, um, kind of the idea that you can blast its head off and the zombie keeps on carrying, staggering towards you. And it kind of tries to bite you. I mean, it doesn't do any damage, but how horrific is that? You shoot the thing's head off, and the corpse is still wandering towards you with the arm. <laughs> it grabs you before mm. it falls down to like nothing. That sort of stuff is really, really cool. They really wanted to push what the zombies could actually do in this. Mm. And like, you know, yes, we've seen them kind of juddering and suddenly sort of moving at different speeds and stuff. You hit the nail on the head, though. They're just so unpredictable. I love the idea that this early in the series, they would have created this idea that your standard weapon is just going to hold these things back. It's not going to kill them. Because then you could almost imagine playing this game going, man, there were like six zombies in that corridor. I don't have the ability to stop them. I barely made it through before. You used up most of ammo just to stop them getting me. I really don't want to go back, but I know I have to because that's the place where the locked door was. Mm. I'm really mm. being scared to go back. All the while, you've got this dark, foreboding music playing at you. And for the most part, you're just going, I don't know. It's horrible. Uh, that's <laughs> probably why there's so many weapons. Right, you know? yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and that makes sense. So if that's how it was, really, really good. Yeah, there's uh, like four different handguns, several shotguns. There was grenades in the game, all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. Um, in my research, apparently that was part of the issues and why it was scrapped. Is that the, after a certain point, it, it was too actiony. It didn't feel like Resident Evil anymore, which right. is obviously quite funny to say at this point in time. Um, did you I ever know, try and use those grenades in combat, side? Just, just out of curiosity. I actually did. Oh, you know what? I didn't. I've they, seen them be rubbish, though. Right, you can roll them a meter in front of you, or you can throw them three miles away. Either way, you're not hitting a target. They're worthless. It did, it not work as well, did it not work as well as the guy in the um, in Resident Evil 3's intro, where you got the UBCS guy <laughs> using grenades as a melee weapon? If you oh, well, that like probably would have been better. I, I, I feel like he fared better. He hit the zombies, at least. Like, <laughs> Right. I mean, that, apparently that was... climb in this as well. We didn't mention that. Yeah, that's true. They can climb up ledges and stuff like that. So you see that in the sewer. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, there was a, there was definitely some balancing issues which uh, caused caused it to be cut down dramatically for RE2, which is, obviously was more of an action game than the first game. Um, but yeah, 1.5 was was something else. You know, different armor that you could have as well equipped. 
and stuff like that. So remember, you used to your character show damage as they took it as well. Like yeah, you got stuff yeah. your blades on you and things, which is cool. Effects are on animations as well. Like um, if you get wounded and you leave yourself idle, your character will feel the wound. That's well, kind of cool. That's that's neat because I still feel like like the the games without the stagger, which is basically just RE one. Um, it just isn't. It's missing something um, retroactively, and I felt the same way about one point five. Even though it did have the visible wounds, it wasn't entirely clear to me if I was on caution or danger or what. Uh, but apparently, I should have just left myself on idle. Then I guess. <laughs> that side note that it is not 1.5 but how cool would it would have been if Leon had his pimp strut that he has in the uh, in the Game Boy Advance version uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you guys will have seen we'll do that episode at some point I kid there's no way um, so we talked about enemies let's talk about characters um, so there's a whole host of characters in fact maybe maybe more but about the same and RE2 has a pretty large cast anyway you've got a few uh, randomers that probably aren't even really worth talking about. Um, Sherry's in it, but she doesn't have nearly the same amount of uh, gravitas to the story. She doesn't really have an arc. There is Leon's senior officer, apparently, Roy, who kind of acts more like Marvin, since Marvin in this game gets a larger role. Ada is Linda in this game, an umbrella researcher who's recently thrown in a jail cell. Um, stuff like that, but let's let's we'll go around the room and talk about favorites and these favorites. But first of all, protagonists. This game obviously, uh, it's not Leon and Claire. It's Leon and Elsa. Um, who wants to start with the Elsa Walker talk? Is this is this more of um, better that it's left a memory because people still campaign that they want to see Elsa uh, in the RE canon in some fashion. Um, so much to the point where we got her costume in the Resident Evil Two remake. Um, Adam, how do you feel about Elder Walker? Any particular feelings on this character, or is there not enough to go on? Do you think? I mean, in in all honesty, I feel like this whole section for me, I don't have a lot to say. Mm. Um, there isn't a lot to go on with any of the characters. Uh, I feel like the fact that we got an Elder Walker costume in Resident Evil Two relegates her from any Resident Evil now. Probably <laughs> because they're yeah. like, here, here you go. Here's the thing. Um, I like her though. I would like to see her in a game. Um, she's interesting enough. She she kind of got robbed, you know. Uh, <laughs> even though she's not a real person, um, <laughs> it's my belief or it's my understanding that Claire was introduced because they wanted it to have a link to Resident Evil, right? Um, and as such, you know, Elsa kind of got the shaft. I'm trying to it work out. Have, we could have seen like a Leon Redfield, Chris's brother. It could have gone <laughs> this, the other yeah, way. Yeah, maybe that's a really interesting theory. Um, I have a hot take. It was hot, quote unquote, to drop about Elsa. <laughs> I'm wondering when the perfect time for that is. Um, Steve, how do you feel about Elsa Walker? Oh, I, I kind of want to hear the hot take first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I can if you like. I mean, I can do it. Uh, so, come on. So, so there's, there's people out there, right? And people out there want Elsa Walker. I've seen people, and I don't want to like call anyone out accidentally. I saw a tweet the other day from someone who said that in their head canon, the friend that Claire is talking to in Remake 2 at the beginning, that's Elsa Walker. I was like, that's a cool <sighs> idea. Sure, why not? But people really cling on to this character. And obviously, I'm a massive Claire Redfield fan. And I think they made the right choice as well to come up with a character that ties the series, the, the second game, into the first game and makes it feel more like a franchise rather than just two games with a similar title. Um, but between Elsa Walker 
and Claire Redford. I assume it's between, but at one point, Elsa Walker's name was something else. And I assume it's between when they came up with the idea of linking the second game to the first game. At one point, she was going to be Rachel Speyer, the cousin of Forrest from Resident mm. Evil 1. That is a whole lot better for me. I would have taken that over Elsa Walker. I think that's a really cool, uh, not-in-your-face link. Nod. So yeah. if you ever bring out, if, if ever if, if it ever happens that Elsa Walker strides into the canon, nope, <laughs> she has to be Rachel. I, I, <clears throat> Forrest's cousin would be so much cooler. Yep. Uh, that, See, that, Rachel, that's my mild hot take. See, Rachel did make it to the canon, but sadly she changed her name after her brother's death and then died on the Queen Zenobia. <laughs> Rachel Foley. Oh, twin brother who rides a skateboard and he's just called Radvik. <laughs> right. Um, so, Go ahead, Steve. My thoughts on, on Elsa then. Like, we don't really get... We, we get bits of a character from script, but we don't get much from dialogue, do we? Like, you know, actual mm. spoken dialogue. The script makes her sound like she's somewhere between Claire Redfield and Jill Valentine. Um, yeah, probably and, and she's kind of bland, like bland as bland porridge, you know, from Planet Bland, <laughs> which is a shame because the actual, her aesthetic, her design, I actually like it more than Claire's, the, the, the racing gear and stuff. Very impractical, but I, I, it kind of looks... Is it impractical? Well, maybe not for a zombie apocalypse. But, exactly. Having Amazon like to your neck, super good. As a solo entry into the RPD, power sliding a bike through a shutter while being chased by zombies <laughs> sounds amazing. It's but, Alice 1.0. Oh, no. No, but other than that, there's nothing to go on. Like, mm. she's got a cool design and potentially a cool entry, and otherwise she's bland as... Yeah, I can't swear on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you get the idea. Like, I, I well think said. that's just because of the where the game is, though, Steve. Honestly, like, yeah, no, that, that, no that's one fair. has anything. It's it, it's just a sea of blandness. I don't know. John, John may or may not be Kendo is hilarious. Like, <laughs> I got bit, but I'll be fine. Oh, hi, El hi, I didn't, I didn't see you there, and all this dumb stuff. Like, I can see him being proto moderately sexist Kendo. Um, yeah, very much so. I, um, did you get to see the scene where he has to shoot Roy, by the way? Yeah, it's where just so Where Roy goofy. just runs at him and he just goes, boop, and falls down in one shot. Made me chuckle. And then he pulls Poor the, um, please, I have to be alone now. Yes, um, gets a Marvin line. Yeah, it's... Um, it's oh, cheeky, actually. Yes, it's, yeah. I, I, can, I can believe the headcanon that she's uh, meant to be Claire's friend, like you know, that everyone said on the phone. But to introduce her now, the only way I would do it is simply take that jumpsuit, make a random blonde face, and put her in resistance where she's sitting on the camera. <laughs> That's a great idea. Uh, Sherwin, what are your thoughts on Elsa and, and the general cast at large? Sure. I think um, I just suddenly re it dawned upon me, uh, by the way, the, the greatest Resident Evil enemy that never made it into the game, um, which is from this, which is Golgotha. Oh, yeah, uh... that's true, yeah. Uh, we managed to both miss both of the bosses, but my god, the concept art for Golgotha looks terrifying. It's like a Godzilla yeah. monster came to life. Right, super awesome. And I never, knew, in the end. <laughs> I never knew for sure, you know, because there's obviously talk that Annette was going to transform, it was that going to be her, mm. and yeah, I don't know, but it's it's really interesting to look at that concept art. Yeah, so Ziram, I think that's probably the pronunciation of it, looks a little bit more goofy. It's kind of like a Plant 42 kind of, uh, sorry, a Plant 43 kind of vibe, mm. or an Ivy vibe, depending on what name you want to give it, but um golgotha looks terrifying but anyway i think um with elsa to be honest for me she, she doesn't really exist as a character she basically in my head she's 
she's just Claire Redfield, but with a different skin, effectively. Yeah, like, because yeah. so much, so much of Claire's character in Resident Evil Two, anyway, comes from her interactions with Sherry. Mm-hmm. And and you kind of saying, yeah, Sherry didn't really have much of a story is exactly why Elsa didn't really get much of that herself. Yeah, that's very. I true. can envision if, if you if you give Sherry the same sort of level of story and the same sort of attention to detail, I'm pretty sure Elsa's reactions and interactions are exactly the same. And you've literally just got yeah, you know, and she's just got mm-hmm. a different head. So I think that's that's all what it was. I totally get where they come from continuity. I mean, technically, you already had that with uh, Ada, but that's yeah obscure. Not many people are going to get that from the lore perspective. It's not as obvious as I'm looking for my brother Chris right from go, right. But um, but I don't know. I think I feel like if you were going to make Elsa Walker now, you would make her as a very distinctive character. Like you'd have the skin somewhere, she'd turn up, and you'd just have her as kind of you know much more of a probably a slightly younger kind of more youthful feeling character, more of a daredevil kind of vibe. I mean, she's supposed to be like what a sort of um, championship racer or something or other. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah. So, yeah, so she must yeah. be a badass. Yeah, so she's going to be kind of quite daredevil and I think that's a very different energy to what Claire brought to the game. Mm. But um, I feel like that's I feel like that's the sort of way you would go if you were going to create that character now and sort of put her in somewhere. I would I really like the idea of the nod. I don't think that's what Capcom intended, but I think it would have been really fun if it would have been as literally Claire just go, "Hey, yeah, hey, Elsa, how are you doing?" On the <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been amazing. <laughs> that, would, that literally would have just made everyone go, "Oh, that's really cool. You guys are awesome." Yeah, um, but instead yeah. we got the outfits, so can't really complain. Bike levers absolutely would be number one, the best thing in a zombie situation. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, Adam. This is true. Yeah. Wait. What? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and you're, although to be fair, like, hey, how are you gonna get to the police department? I'm gonna skid in underneath the metal grill on a motorbike, which is presumably gonna explode in the background somewhere as I walk away like a boss. I say the imagery <laughs> makes you like she smashed through, not just slided. She went through it. That's um, yeah. I, that's I, I feel. I feel like the actual audio to that probably would have been the special end credits after you <laughs> the <laughs> play through where the baseline comes in. That's what would have happened as she kind of enters the police station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sherwin, anyway. how do you feel about the the rest of the supporting cast? Because obviously, um, a lot of them are familiar, but yeah, with some some drastic changes in places. Yeah, do you know the bi- the biggest one for me is the chief. I mm-hmm. really like the original review image of the chief. He just you know, like in terms of all the right the way down to like his outfit, like he just feels so much more at home than the police chief did from you know Brian Irons does in his reimagined RE2 version. Um, he just this 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 kind of character who's kind of like the sort of you know, the father figure to the police station going, look, I'm, I'm obviously mortally wounded, but I'll hold down the fort. You guys just keep going. And this idea that Leon keeps coming back to his office, the guys are on his bench, like, you know, wounded or whatever, and he's mm. kind of just going, look, just save everybody else. He fits so much better, like, as that sort of vision. And then this, you can almost imagine that heartbreaking scene where you kind of go there and like, okay, we're getting out. And it's much like Marvin yeah, in the remake, where yeah. it's just like, he's no, no, zombie. my days are, no, not even that. I can imagine yeah. it's even better if he was just like, no, no, it's over for me. Just leave me here. Like so much more heartbreaking. If you can't, well, he's a zombie. He would have bit me if I didn't leave him. If you actually have this guy, you're like, come on, we can get out. And the guy's like, no, 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 go. Like, I'm not, mm. I'm just going to slow you down. You right. Yeah. I've been setting this all. Yeah. Guys, that that would be really, really cool. Cause effectively the Marvin, the Marvin um, character is Roy, isn't he? Or DJ. Yeah. Which yeah, way yeah. You look at. It's um, like Captain Marvin Irons. It's like a, a mal, you know, all <laughs> yeah. mashes I, I, up. Yeah, but I, I like that. I like the image of him, and I think again, it's much back to the mysticism of what RE one point five is. This kind of reinversion version, where you're like, Brian Hines was really different. Mm. You know, 
Harvey, I imagine, would have been quite different in terms of how he looks. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's kind of fun. I mean, I, I I know what you mean about the goofiness of how Roy gets killed by you know by Kendo slash Nick, but the point is, is that that's is it Nick or John? Sorry, John. John. Yeah, John. John. Um, but he's um, but at the same time, I mean, you have to wonder again how much of that is beta build versus actually what you would have had in the end. Yeah, mm. this is true. Yeah. But um, yeah, and they possibly would tighten up the dialogue and stuff. Same with Elsa, like saying she's a bit bland. I'm sure they probably would have tightened up the dialogue and stuff. Definitely, yeah. and that's that, that's true. What I was trying to say, yeah, it's just it's really sorry. Go. No, I was just going to reiterate that what everyone has experienced of these characters is, you know, none of that was really from Capcom. Little bits of it was. Every you know, it's right. a fan thing now. Yeah. So, you know, we we have no real idea. If to say other than what we can extrapolate from Resident Evil 2 in terms of like Sherry and such. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. Like um I swear I've seen some footage somewhere of Leon on top of the helipad at the start of the game that isn't actually from the fan made mod. Where he's actually got a couple of lines of dialogue. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that's the case. And if and if that is legit and I don't know if it was or not, but if that's the case Leon sounds more youthful, but it also sounds much more panicked and much more realistic. Like, Leon is cool as in Resident Evil 2. Like, hey, he's just walking around. Oh, there's zombies everywhere. Oh, I'll take it in my stride first day. That's what I do. Turn that up just seems to be Leon up throughout the whole... <laughs> like, yeah, he's just he's Captain America. He can just deal with this mm. stuff. Whereas the actual Leon you had in kind of um, in that clip, and if, again, if that is legitimate, then he just actually sounds like, oh, no, I've been fighting off zombies. I'm really shredded now. Like, I'm terrified. <laughs> Like and I'm yeah. starting to see people start to die. Still doesn't explain why he's wearing the wrong uniform, but that's not him. <laughs> I do like I do uh, like that aspect though, because it sort of plays into the fact that he's working alongside Marvin for a lot of his campaign, so he's got someone to sort of lean on. So it allows him to be a bit yeah. more of, uh, yeah, be a bit more of a nervous wreck and what whatever's going on. Like you say, going back to the chief, um, and to sort of get back to that, like, yeah, I agree. I really like that design. I was flipping through the um, the Resident Evil Archives book earlier just to look through all the concept art one last time and. Yeah, I do. I, I like his overall design and, and his attitude in that game as not a bad guy really um, goes with the very little that we know about 1.5 story. I think for the most part, I didn't really have one to be honest. Um, but obviously, the Resident Evil 2 back then, it, it, the story premise was different. We didn't have oh, Umbrella's got everyone under their thumb. Um, Chris and Jill go back. Uh, Irons believes them and Umbrella gets shut down before Resident Evil 2 starts. That's the beginning of 1.5. So to have Chief as this, uh, yeah, this more good guy character, his design, and it all, all feeds in the story. So it makes sense. Uh, I, like the, I like the idea if we extrapolate that a little bit to kind of imagine if Resident Evil was kind of actually being made of actors, like the guy who's playing Brian Irons. Man, we've changed your script today, Terry. <laughs> oh, what happened? Well, you've got a bigger role now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. can, can, can you do evil a little bit? Uh, I guess so. Like, how, how evil? Can you oh. deal with, how can you deal with public hatred? <laughs> how can you deal with public hatred? <laughs> here's, here's a gun. Just start walking around shooting people in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adam, um, how do you feel about this sort of ragtag group of uh, survivors and non-survivors in 1.5? I mean, it's... It's very Resident Evil, mm. you know, that it definitely sticks to that that feel, at least of the early Resident Evils, where it, it is kind of like a somewhat eclectic cast. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's not enough for me to talk about. I feel like there's, there's, it's so bare bones. 
Um, I feel like it could have been interesting. Right, but yeah. I don't, I don't it, it's it hard enough. to say, isn't it? Because there's no... It's really We don't have say, a yeah. clear idea of what the final script was going to be. Exactly. Yeah. And again, uh, as, as I hear it, you know, um, another reason why it was scrapped is that they weren't particularly happy with the story. It was very straightforward um, and very isn't, disconnected. Isn't that crazy that it got to 80% and was right. scrapped? Like, Absolutely. Nowadays, that would probably just be the death knell of a game. Like, it's done. Mm-hmm. Now that's release time, and then make the rest as DLC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's we're we're pretty fortunate that they right. like um they got they obviously spent a fair amount of money. They mm-hmm. they even promoted it with images. Yep. yep. From this game, this one point five. So we're lucky, really, that we got Resident Evil Two as we did. You know, they were they were willing to scrap it entirely and start over right i mean it's strange isn't it in some alternate universe they maybe they did that and you know the resident evil series consists of resident evil and resident evil director's cut and that's it which is right sorry i was just gonna say i mean to be fair resident evil as a series has a reputation for this i mean if you look at resident mm. evil 2 is obviously why resident evil 2 and 1.5 is the first instance of this if we go to the if we go to resident evil 3 you suddenly got well. Actually, the first build we made of this became like you know, Devil May Cry. Yeah, right. Yeah. Four. Yeah. yeah four. Like, and then, and then, uh, sorry. Sorry. Four. Even. Yeah. And then we kind and of then go. They had the Hookman. Yeah. You've got Hookman. Yeah, you've got. got there's mm-hmm. loads of stuff in the Resident Evil series where you start looking at different versions of this thing. Right, and that's absolutely why the difference between calling this episode Resident Evil 1.5 and Beta Builds Resident Evil 1.5 is because we've got a few of these games we can dive into and. As I said at the beginning, it, it's wild. I I don't know any other series that has got multiple games that got this far into uh, production and were shown off to people before they got scrapped. I think um, it speaks to the strength of how Capcom regard this. It, it's, yeah. Resident Evil games, absolutely. If you're Capcom, Resident Evil games, perhaps un- until, until the advent of Monster Hunter, Resident Evil games are really something where I imagine they are... Passion project at Capcom, like actually getting to work on this, must be like the game that everyone at Capcom wants to work on is the mm. next Resident Evil game. Like that's yeah, has to that's be, that's yeah. like your Super Mario, and I imagine at that point, like you know, there's a thing where special rules are made, special dispensation happens. Like, hey, this game really doesn't work. Okay, that's fine. Get chuck it out. We'll throw everything at it to make it work because it's Resident Evil and that's our brand. That's what we've yeah, got we'll to make turn work. Turn this one into Devil May Cry. Let's yeah, we'll t- yeah, yeah. This yeah. this one becomes Devil May Cry. This one can be this or whatever. You know, that that's the focus of what I think they want to go with it. I imagine that's the case because, I mean, imagine if you put yourselves in this situation. It's you've literally just had Resident Evil One come out. It's a massive runaway success. It spawned an entire genre of new games. Mm. You know that other people are creating their copycat versions of this thing, and you want to make the definitive version of this thing. Chuck it out there and be like, "Yep, yeah, we know what we're doing, and it wasn't a fluke, and we're going to launch a series of these things now and really capitalize on this because this can be our next big thing." Right. Yeah, this uh, is our next Mega Man. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. I think we've arrived sort of to conclusion and final thoughts quite appropriately, and I think it does loop back to sort of the beginning of the show when we were talking about. Uh, the best-selling Capcom games and the vast majority of the ones we talked about in that in that big list. It's a big old Resident Evil game. So, yeah, it's, it's hugely important to Capcom. And at the end of the day, it's the right decision if you want to make the right product. It doesn't matter how far in you are. Uh, 
it's, it's time to go back to the drawing board if it isn't working, especially in such a crucial time like you mentioned. You know, all the other copycats that were already coming out of the out of the woodwork. Um, for me, they made the right decision, and I think we're all probably going to unanimously decision that, uh, to say they made the right decision. Um, the RE2 that we got, and it's so strange to think that they got they're so far into a game, scrapped it, and the game they came out with is this unending masterpiece um you know it's still heralded as one of the one of the best games in the series one of the most important games in the genre um sometimes in the conversation for one of the best games of all time um so that's what in, in fact makes 1.5 even more strange and special is that it's attached to this legendary game you know the game that never was before the game that overshadows so many um i think what's so cool also about capcom is that they are just sort of very hands off with what's going on like the 1.5 thing it's out there in the wild fans are working on it and they're very aware of it it's pretty clear they're aware of it um but they're just they're just not really that bothered about uh taking anyone to task with it it seems like and the general attitude to a lot of things seems to be that way you know they're not really interested in making 1.5 they're never going to bring out 1.5 it's not going to happen so why not let the fans just sort of you know, have they cake and eat it? So I think that's good on them for that. But at the end yeah, of the day, you know, they I can the actually, right I could back you up a little bit with that. Capcom are the most super chill, awesome people. Mm-hmm. Like in, in the games development world, I think I've ever encountered. Like those guys are just like they're just fans. Of right, the right, right, they exactly. They, they are literally just video game fans. Like they, they like you. You chat for them so long. I've actually sat like sat there chatting to these guys like. Um, well into kind of like stupid, stupid in the morning about uh, one of the <laughs> release parties, just going, "Hey, let's talk about Resident Evil," and just talking about save room music, <laughs> like literally that for an hour. And I half. love that, and, and it's just great. like that's that's they're really really invested in that stuff. Like the biggest thing I can say about Cap- the Capcom members of staff that I have encountered, they are they literally are fans like you or I, mm. and that is so so refreshing and so cool. It's not just oh, this is our cash cow. That's not who they are. So I, I don't. I've never asked for one point five, but I imagine a whole bunch of them get a kick out of people liking it as much as the people. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I bet. I bet they'll be like, "Oh, did you see this? Did we see this back in the day?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Steve, what are your final thoughts on on one point five? I um. Well, first off, I want to say thank you to the people who've made the MZD build. Right. Uh, that's Definitely. that's uh, that's a piece of hard work that I think. Uh, if I if if I were in their position, I probably would be more dedicated to reverse engineering and making my own game at this point. Uh, I it's a museum piece, mm-hmm. like it's a piece of history that you can actually walk around in, and that's phenomenal. The um, the game that we got after that's, I mean that's the game of all time, isn't it? Re two, yeah. Like, but one point five as its own creature, as its own organism. The fact that it's got a legacy, that it's got a story, it's got like you know. The actual history of acquiring a copy is itself an adventure, which I highly recommend you seek out and read because, my God, um, you know, that is more its legacy, I think, than the actual game now. Like, the game itself, eh, it's okay. It's got some Mm -hmm. ideas. It's got one banger of a soundtrack for the most part. But the um, it's more than the sum of its parts. Which is good because as it if it stood if this is like an indicator of how the final version would have been I don't I don't think the Resident Evil franchise would still be around I'm gonna be honest I um uh, you know looking at what we see what you play with it's not as strong and it's I feel like Mikami was right that um you know for Kami's first outing 
making him actually go back to the drawing board and scrap it, and the fact they all did is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting looking at sort of like interviews around that time as well. Um, and and Camillo said, you know, at the time when it happened, he thought he was going to get fired um, because Capcom basically ordered him to yeah go go back to square one with it. But he also said that it was a, an experience he needed to have. Um, and obviously he's gone on to be pretty damn successful in his own right since this. And this is his first experience as a director. And yeah, for all intents and purposes, speaking from Mikami's point of view and speaking from our way less important point of view, but having played what we have and seen what we had, um, yeah, it was probably the right call, you know. Um, so yes, yeah, crazy to think the the history of, of the game is... Yeah, definitely more important than what is the final product or what is the final product plus fan-made adaptions. But yeah, shout out to everyone over at the Magic Zombie Door, Martin Biohazard and all those folks. Uh, yeah, just being able to walk around this strange yeah. alternate reality was such a such a cool experience. And I'm glad that we got to do that before we sat down and, and did this episode. Uh, Adam, what are your final closing thoughts on 1.5? Um, I think much like the best horror experiences um what you necessarily don't see is more effective than what you do see Mm. um and i feel like that could be the case here um it's it grew you know it, it was such a big thing before people got hold of it that i think that's really what carried it yeah you know what we what we necessarily didn't see i feel like if back in the day this had been like a year and suddenly we were holding this product, we'd be like, oh, yeah. thank God mm. it didn't turn out mm. like this, you know? Um, so I feel like it's, it really did help that it was such, um, you know, like, uh, I want to say, uh, I can't even think of words now. It was like a, uh, a, a, a legend, a myth kind of thing. It's a white whale. I feel like time helped that, you know. Mm. And now it's allowed to be almost bad, if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> I don't particularly enjoy it as, as much as some of you guys. But it's okay because it's part of uh, a very big history. Um, so it's like, it's it's enjoyed a lot more in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I you know... And especially to the people rebuilding their vision of it, that that's like amazing. Good work to them, you know. And um, I'm hoping that someday soon they will have a finished build that they can be proud of and be like, "Hey, we did it." Mm-hmm. As much and as then possible, Capcom can strike. <laughs> 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 no joke, it's happened before with other franchises. Yeah, and other right. <laughs> but this is what this is actually like. The point that I wanted to make about Capcom, just sort of like letting them do it. Look at other, it doesn't really happen. Like not in my experience. Maybe someone could prove me wrong, but with Capcom, I've never really seen it. We've had Daymare content on our channel. You know, we were ha- we were lucky enough to be given a, a free code for Daymare before it was out, so we could play it early and, and pr- make some content on that months months ago now. But um, and that's an example of uh, a Resident Evil project that, yeah, sure enough, it got shut down by Capcom um, because at the time it was a Resident Evil Two remake, but. 
because <laughs> Resident Evil 2 Remake was on the horizon and it didn't seem like the right thing. So they, as a show of good faith, that team well, got invited to the Capcom offices. They didn't kill that. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. They That's gave the their blessing to turn it into something into the else. Ground. Right, they didn't and destroy them. They just said, can you not put our name on this right, right. now? Yeah. Exactly. So I think that that's such a great um, view of Capcom. It's a real... I think there's a reason that you don't hear Capcom in, in the same way as you hear like EA right. all these companies that are unscrupulous and a loot mm. box heavy and stuff and Capcom has never really felt that right. and I think that's to the credit I think that they are one, I mean they're definitely one of the older companies on the scene you know Yeah. Um, but also I think they're genuinely fans of their product absolutely um, um, and I think that's why we don't get such um, gouge gouging type things from them yeah and showing closing thoughts on 1.5 i think uh i think steve here nail on the head it's a museum piece mm. um it's an incredibly fascinating and enduring uh part of resident evil's history and of its legacy um i think we can always play the what if game in terms of oh what would what would have been if this came out as Resident Evil 2, what would it have been if they didn't change it around? What could it look? I mean, there's too many variables there. We don't know. Yeah, we know that the game was 70% done. We don't know whether the 30% that wasn't done was all the detail included in there, script rewrites, you know, different music right. audio tracks. Because yeah. you know, the, the version we've seen of it, the mod they have, there's no reason, there's no necessary reason, as we all know, that I think that roughly builds upwards from a 40% build that they actually had. Yeah, um, and they've built up from that. So I mean, that's missing whatever the thirty uh, extra thirty percent was of, mm. of chunk of stuff just missing, which we simply don't know what that stuff was. And that's even if you then believe someone at Capcom or whoever saying, "Oh, well, it was seventy percent built." Like, yeah, you know, there's there's various mm. different ways we can look at that. So I think there's there's lots of unknowns. My general feeling is that if they had released it, it would have been Dino Crisis in terms of its level of interest that the community would have had for it. Right. Uh, the general amount of kind of enthusiasm that would agree with it and the sort of enduring legacy. So it remains kind of a cult classic, but does it spawn a whole series of new games? No. I suspect that's possibly what would have been of this thing. Um, but then, you know, you don't know. Yeah. Because similar sort of thing to Dino Crisis, large areas of Dino Crisis felt quite sparse and quite lacking in a lot of detail. And there's clever parts the moments that you remember and go, oh, that's really smart. But then at the same time, Resident Evil... Yeah, you know, Resident Evil 1.5 is a very similar sort of feel to that in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's a game which I think has got this incredible legacy to it. It's got this incredible mythos, you know, myth around it. It's got this. It's, it's got this insane kind of thing of you can never talk about Resident Evil old Resident Evil games without talking about this thing. And I think, as a result, it, it's just got this incredible charm. It's this wonderful what if. It's this thing where, as a Resident Evil fan, you just literally want to grab people who don't know anything at Resident Evil and tell them all about it, right? Yeah. Oh, my God, let me tell you about this thing that almost happened or whatever else. And, um, yeah, it's going to... I think the best way to describe it is that it's that it's that sort of late-night horror movie from back in the 90s that you always meant to go see, but you never did. And um, <laughs> it's kind of that, you know, that, that random release, that cult classic that you never quite got around to watching. That's the way I kind of see it. I think it speaks volumes that um, if you were to go on YouTube or whatever um, and you're looking up sort of like 
general Resident Evil videos, Resident Evil trivia or whatever, Resident Evil channels, you know. Number one, did you know that Resident Evil was based off a game called Sweet Home? Yeah, okay. Number two, there was a game for the, called Resident Evil 2 that wasn't Resident Evil 2. That's, you know, and everybody's covered it because it's such a interesting part of the Resident Evil history, which is why uh, it's probably our most requested episode of all time. You know, several people have asked me, you know, are you going to cover 1.5? So I think we did a pretty decent job of it. Nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. One way to get in touch is to email us at fhspraypod at gmail.com. But of course, the best course of action is to join our Discord server where you can discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast and also on our social profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at fhspraypod, on Instagram at fhspraypod, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash FA Spray Pod. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review where you can. It helps spread the word. Our next episode will see us explore another reality, another alternate universe, if you will. We have the Anderson-verse, but what about the Perry-verse? In the first episode of Book Club, we'll be giving our thoughts on the first in S.T. Perry's Resident Evil novelizations with the Umbrella Conspiracy. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Sinyak underscore one, two, three. Steve is at Firebutton Games. Sherwin is at Sherwin's Agenda. Adam is at AdVicar01. And finally, thank you for listening. And have a good week. Just a whole episode about music. Damn straight. I am absolutely down. I don't know how we know, do it, but I'm absolutely Could we play, like, like could we play clips one. from each track and be like, this one's a certified banger? I think that just that sounds like a uh, Cyan Sherwin episode of ever there was. Yeah, let's do it. Right. Um, I think, um, to be honest, I, I think in anything else, you could just have a discourse that's really, really sensible on the strength of the soundtracks and the various different games. Yeah, um, yeah, we could just go from game to game and just talk about highlights and lowlights. Because you can absolutely bet your ass, I'm going to bore the crap out of all of you uh, on this episode uh, talking about <laughs> RE 1.5 soundtrack. Oh no, people honestly, before you even were on, were like, oh, they better talk about the soundtrack. I was like, don't worry, Sherman will be here soon. <laughs> you better believe it. I'm here for the soundtrack. In preparation for this episode, did I watch the game? No. Did I play the game? No. Did I listen to the soundtrack all day yesterday? Yes, I did. Nice.